Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money. We look at why the stock market goes up and down. We look at financial legislation that impacts your bottom line. In the Plan Your Prosperity segment, we look at different financial planning topics in more detail to try to help you understand some of the nitty-gritty behind why your financial plan is organized the way it is. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy segment, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you would like to submit a question to the show, go to Ask Peggy. Dot com, and on that homepage, you'll see a link to submit a question. Then I'll reach out to you and we'll get some more information, figure out how we can answer it on the phone so it can be educational for everybody listening, and I would love to help you address your problems. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market Report. Now, I am actually taping this on June 28th. That's a Friday, and it's the last Friday of the second calendar quarter of the year. I usually tape on Monday, but just in full disclosure, when we're looking at this data, we're about two-thirds of a trading day short of having the full quarter's data in. Now, it's kind of a funny day to be short because right now the president is at the G20 in Osaka, Japan, And we're waiting on the meeting tomorrow with China to see what's going to happen with the tariffs. So there actually could be fairly significant movement today. But I think we've got a very good sense of what's happened in the quarter. So we're going to talk about where we are to date. And we're going to skip the last six hours. So for the second quarter of 2019, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up 3.15%. Now, that builds on the first quarter gain, so so far, halfway through the year, we've got a pretty good stock market going. The S&P 500 was actually a little bit better, closing up 3.89%. The NASDAQ, and I had to check this data twice, also closed up 3.89%. It was like, that's not possible. So I checked it a couple of times, and yes, actually it is. So both the S&P and the NASDAQ closed up 3.89% this quarter. Gold had a very good quarter, up 9.21%. Oil is down um, for the quarter 1.05%. And really the biggest loser is the 10-year Treasury yield. And that is down 43.04%. So the Treasury yield has been cut by almost half. Now, what is the yield again? The yield is the interest. So when you own a bond, you get interest payments on it. And so the Treasury yield is the Treasury interest. And it's down almost 50% from where it was at the end of the first quarter. And its current um, yield is 2.01%. So there's been a lot of movement where um, the markets are anticipating that there will, in fact, be interest rate cuts. And that's really manifest itself 
and I think everything's gotten a little ahead of itself. So, you know, it's interesting to look at what happened, but I think it's more interesting to look at where we are right now and what's going to happen in quarter three. Well, like I said a little bit before, um, the president is at the G20. Remember, the G20 is a group of 20 major world leaders. They come together regularly. Right now, they're meeting in Osaka, Japan. Um, you know, we are not well-loved in the world right now simply because of some of the um, a bristling language that the president uses. He's been fairly critical of Japan since he's been in Japan, and he was critical of India in Japan. Um, you know, being critical of Japan while you're in Japan is really not a great a great strategy because the Japanese culture is so organized around politeness that when someone goes into the country and isn't polite, it's really frowned on. Now, they'll, they will continue to be polite while they are disapproving of you. So I'm not sure that it's going to be um, really super obvious, but it was a very, very inappropriate strategy, in my opinion, to go into any country and criticize it. But when you get into um, some of the Far Eastern countries, you have more of a concern with uh, manners and saving face, and, and we actually just didn't do that. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously, Japan is our ally. Um, the Prime Minister Abe has been working very hard to get along with President Trump, but it was just sort of unfortunate. This morning, the president met with the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, and apparently was joking around about um, interfering in the 2020 election cycle. So we'll have to wait and see how that happens and what goes down with that. So in other news, tomorrow is the big meeting with China, and um, President Donald Trump is meeting with President Xi Jinping, and apparently there was some criticism on the part of China about the tariff situation. So I'm, I'm hoping the meeting goes well tomorrow. There is a lot of expectation being built up that there will be a resolution to the tariff crisis. I'm not superbly confident of that. Um, by the time you listen to the show, you will see if I'm right or not. So, you know, you might check your headlines to see how that went over the weekend because this show will air probably starting on Monday or Tuesday after the meeting on Saturday. But that will have a major impact on the stock market for a considerable period of time, certainly the beginning of the third quarter. Now, the last thing I want to talk about related to market news are the interest rate movements, and the White House National Economic Director is Larry Kudlow. If you used to watch the business channel, CNBC, he is the same Kudlow of Kudlow and Kramer, and then they split, and Jim Kramer has a show, and Larry Kudlow has gone on to more analysis, and now he is the White House National Economic Director, and he is strongly indicating his anticipation of the Federal Reserve lowering interest rates this year, saying that the market is demanding it, which I, I think that's kind of interesting language. Um, it says, lower your target rate, take away the hikes of last December. It's a clear message. So, um, and he says he anticipates the Fed acting on that. 
When he was asked if that was actually a forecast, he said it was a view. So I guess that as long as I call things personal views, I'm not making economic forecasts, which means that I can be wrong and it doesn't count. I wasn't aware that it just depended on what I labeled what I said, whether or not it was accurate. So anyway, that's what we'll do. We're going to watch the second quarter and see where the market wants to go from here. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and partly because I'm taping this show a little early and partly because it's the week before the 4th of July, there wasn't much legislative news that came out this week. About the most interesting story that I could find was, again, about regulation, best interest, the new SEC standard. And apparently the House of Representatives approved legislation that was written by the House Financial Services Committee that would kill the SEC's um, BI reform package. So what it is is it's an amendment to a spending bill that was um, proposed by Maxine Waters and then put out on the general House floor and it passed the House of Representatives. And the spending bill specifically defunds the SEC's ability to implement the regulation best interest. So, you know, anytime you start a new proposal, you have a new way that you're um, going to analyze behaviors. There's going to be a lot of training and a lot of costs associated with it. And so what this... Um, what this um, ad adjustment to the spending bill did was it defunded it. So it would, if the regulation best interest stands, there wouldn't be any money to put it in place. Now, this sounds a little bit more groundbreaking. It's a great headline. House defunds regulation best interest proposed by SEC. The problem is it would have to get through the Senate and then it would have to be signed by the White House. The White House has already said they are absolutely going to veto anything that does this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, what I haven't seen, this story really just broke, is what else is in the spending bill and is defunding regulation best interest a high enough priority for the House of Representatives that basically they wrote some poison pills in and said, if, if you don't pass this, then we won't give you what you want. That's kind of gamesmanship, and it's kind of risky. I'll be curious to see what happens. My guess is that absolutely nothing happens here and that probably the fact that the House passed this spending adjustment won't have any long-term impacts. But I do know that there are a lot of people on Capitol Hill who are fighting very hard for consumers in this issue. You know, the problem with the regulation best interest is it really blurs definitions and it becomes very difficult to figure out exactly what the regulated level of behavior is. It's not a fiduciary standard. It's a little bit higher than um, the standard that brokers had had prior to this. 
but it really is kind of a no man's land and kind of a monster. And so the sense is that financial consumers are going to be confused. And so there's a lot of us, including me, who are doing everything we can to try to not actually have this be implemented. I mean, they've passed the rule. So, I mean, th this is right now the law of the land. So there isn't anything flat out that can be done about it. But perhaps through um, legislation, perhaps through some lawsuits that are pending, there can be some adjustments to the standard and people can really understand what their financial advisor has to provide for them when they go into the office and have a meeting with him or her. It's really important that those expectations be set up and be clear. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and today we're going to talk about steps that you can take to help improve your credit. I mean, the easy one from the beginning is try not to let your credit get destroyed in the first place. But assuming that your credit isn't as high as you want it to be, what are some concrete, reasonable things that you can do to help make it improve? You know, your credit score is more important than you might think it is, and it's becoming more important over time. In fact, sometimes employers are checking your credit score before they hire you for a job. Now, I can understand if you're trying to get some form of security clearance and there is a concern, you know, can you be compromised? And if you have a lot of debt, if it looks like you're about to go under, then there might be the fear that you could be compromised with a bribe. And if you're trying to get classification or if you're trying to get, like, um, working in the government or working in the military, it makes sense that it could be an issue. But those aren't the kinds of jobs I'm talking about. I'm talking about just run-of-the-mill jobs that people like you and me would apply for. And people are checking your credit score to see how reliable you are. Remember that probably the easiest way to improve your credit is to pay your bills on time. Where people get in trouble is they pay the bill late, and then because they pay it late, that dings on their credit score, and then when an employer is looking at you, they see that you don't take the time to pay your bills on time. Now, I know there's a lot of reasons why this happens. I really kind of see it among two groups of people that don't have a lot in common. The first group is that person who has their cash flow timed down to the minute. They know that they get their pay put in their account on Thursday, and so on Friday, when the bills are due on Friday, they're paying the bills electronically, trying to get it in. If anything goes wrong, then the bill winds up being late. So, you know, if you're really that tight, I would recommend trying to look at your cash flow and come up with a way to maybe put a little bit back in reserve. You know, figure out those bills that are due the next day. We talk about having an emergency fund. This would be the sort of time that having an emergency fund would save you. 
because if you've got bills due right after your check is supposed to hit, you could actually pay those out of the emergency fund early and then put the money back in the emergency fund as soon as your check comes in, but it would stop, um, it would stop disaster. So that's one group of people who can have issues with paying bills on time. The other group of people actually have plenty of money, but for whatever reason, they don't really think it matters if they pay the bills on time or not. You know, maybe they're getting reimbursed from their job. Well, I'm not going to pay until I get my reimbursement. If you can pay, go ahead and pay and then get your reimbursement. See, this happen a lot. You know, these people are really relatively successful, relatively prosperous already. But because they're just kind of working the system, again, in a different way than the other group of people, you can wind up paying your bills late. And actually, you know, your credit card company doesn't care if you're going to get reimbursed or not. So pay your bills on time. It's super important. Once you've paid your bills, then try to start paying down balances. So if you carry a credit card balance, try to make that balance lower. You don't want to have huge, giant credit card balances if there's any possible way you can avoid it. So the more credit you have, the better your credit cards, your, your credit score is going to be. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, well, I paid off my card and I canceled it and I cut it up and now I don't have it. Okay, you want to be very careful with this because a component of your credit score is your debt to available credit ratio. So if you have a card and it had $5,000 of credit available on it, and then maybe you had a $1,000 balance you were trying to pay off, and you pay it off, and then you cancel your card. Well, let's say that you had two cards, each with a $5,000 balance, and let's say that the one card didn't have a balance, the second card did. Okay, if you take the card that doesn't have a balance and you get rid of it, you had had $10,000 of available credit, right? You had two cards, $5,000 each, that's $10,000 of available credit. If you have $1,000 of credit card debt, then you're using one-tenth of your available credit. If you cut that card up, now you have $5,000 of available credit, and you have $1,000 of debt, and now your debt-to-credit ratio is 20%. So I'm not saying you have to keep every single card that you have, especially if you have like cards from department stores or cards that have fees associated with them every year, unless you really get a lot of benefit from it. You know, those would be cards that you eventually might want to eliminate. But don't just start eliminating the cards without thinking about it because you can screw up your credit score and actually not even know that you've done it. So you also want to be very careful about consolidating your debt. There's all of these groups out there, oh, we'll help you pay off your credit cards. Here, let us take over everything and we'll get your bills down and we'll get it down to one bill that you can afford. Some of those groups in the process of repairing your credit actually destroy your credit first. So you need to be careful. If you want to talk to a group, I like Consumer Credit Counseling Services, the not-for-profit agency. 
And I've heard some people um, be critical of some advice they've gotten from them from time to time. But the advantage of a not-for-profit agency is they don't have the predatory lending practices that some of these other commercial groups have. So be very careful if you Google it. I mean, everything in the world may come up first because these other companies want you to click on them. But Consumer Credit Counseling Services is a good source to get counseling. You may be able to find a financial planner who will help you with it. Some will, some won't. But try to make a plan. Try to pay off the debt. You'll be really, really glad you did. As your debt level goes down, as you pay your bills on time, and as your debt-to-credit limit goes up, your credit score will begin to improve. This is a slow process. It won't fix in a week. But if you start taking steps, you'll start seeing improvements this year. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Remember, if you have a question that you'd like to submit to the show, go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and you'll see a box on the homepage where you can submit a question. Additionally, on that page, you can learn about my books, you can learn about my blog, my social media. So if there's anything you'd like to do to follow along, um, all of that is on the askpeggy.com site. It actually will lead you to peggydoviak.com if you'd rather go to that original site. That's P-E-G-G-Y-D-O-V-I-A-K.com. But Ask Peggy will get you to exactly the same landing spot. So I hope you check it out, and I hope you send me a question. So my question today is a combination of questions that I get. Really, probably the number one question I get from people concerns how much money they need to save for retirement. It isn't usually about the hot stock. You know, that's what everybody thinks. And I do get my fair share of Bitcoin questions and, you know, what do I think the market's going to do and stuff like that. But that's almost more of just like a conversation. The question that people are desperate to know the answer to is how much money they need to have saved for retirement. And related to that are questions about rules of thumb that maybe they heard, maybe they read. Is it safe for them to use that as the assumption as to how much money they need to save? So today's question is, Peggy, what do you think about the 80% spending assumption for retirement? And so what they're asking is out in the literature, you'll find a number of places, sources that will tell you, you will probably spend about 80% of what you spend right now in retirement. So that's the amount of money that you need to have saved. I am not comfortable with easy answers. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know that I don't do anything the easy way. I'm always looking for the data. I'm always looking for the details. And my concern with saying 80% of your spending and like just putting it out there in a book or in a blog or in a public context where people read it, they're like, oh, okay, that works. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. 
Maybe you spend 80% of your current spending. Maybe you spend more. Maybe you spend less. But let me give you a few things to think about as you're trying to make that decision. Okay, so the first thing this is assuming, which is actually a really good thing, is that you know how much you're spending. So if you don't know how much you're spending, go back to that track your cash flow exercise that we've talked about, where you literally write down absolutely everything you spend in a month and label it as to what it is. It's not judgmental. You don't have to not buy it. You just have to write down that you bought it. Then when that is a crazy huge number and you can't believe that you actually eat out that much and you tell me, oh, that's not representative. I don't do that every month. That was because we had a, you know, fill in the blank for that month's crisis. So, okay, do it again. Do it for the next month. If you do this for several months, you will have a sense as to how much money you're spending right now and you're going to know what you're spending it on. You know, back in the day when people would buy a house in their 30s and stay in it, you know, they got their job, they bought their house, they had the 2.5 kids, and nothing ever changed, then most people entered retirement without a mortgage. That is not how it works today. People are much more mobile. People aren't staying in the same jobs for their entire lives. People aren't staying in the same hometowns for their entire lives. So if you are 60 and you're 10 years into a 30-year mortgage, you're going to have a mortgage payment through a lot of your retirement. And that's totally fine. It's not a big deal. But you have to know that you have it. And you can't assume that just because you're 65, the mortgage company isn't going to make you make mortgage payments anymore. You're going to have to pay that bill. Maybe your primary home is paid off, but maybe you want a vacation home in retirement. You know, if you've got the money for it, that's fine too, but it's another cash flow item unless you're just paying cash. But most people who do that actually get a mortgage and they pay it. Now, your clothing bill may go down, your transportation bills may go down, but your traveling bills might go up. Or maybe now that you've retired and you have time, you finally want to remodel the house. So I want you to be super careful that you're paying attention to what you're spending and that it's really going to go away when you retire. And then finally, the elephant in the room that I tend to think negates all of this 80% thing from working is how are you going to pay for the last three years of your life? Because most people are winding up in memory care units, retirement centers. You know, families don't live in the same town anymore, so often kids don't live there to be able to be a caregiver. So you're having to pay for services or a place to live as you're aging, and that eats a huge amount of money. Even in Oklahoma, and we're not an expensive state, I've got it calculated that for really nice care, it costs about $250,000 for three years. It really is about $96,000 a year, and I'm assuming you're not using it this year, and I'm assuming you're investing it, and you're making a little bit of money, and I'm saying if you've got $250,000, you can probably make it work out. But it's a real crisis, 
and that bill is crazy high. Now, I don't advocate any one solution, so I'm not saying, oh, you need to buy long-term care insurance, or oh, you need to go do this. I'm saying you need a plan. You need to decide what are you going to do to pay that bill. Are you a veteran? Could you use a VA? I mean, do you really qualify for Medicaid? Is that really the direction you want to go? You need to have this conversation with your family. You need to make sure everybody's on the same page with your kids. Make sure everybody knows what's going on. That bill tends to kill, in my mind, for most people, the whole 80%. Because when you add that in and you average it over the whole retirement span, sometimes the bill is about as bad in retirement as it was. So take some time. This is hard. If it was easy, everybody would have a plan, and most people don't have any plan at all. So take a little time and figure it out. You'll be glad you did. So next week is the 4th of July. Have a great time. Go to a fireworks display. Have a barbecue. Enjoy this wonderful country, and happy 4th. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.